1: Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way.
0: This week of the podcast, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 19, Emily in Wonderland. The Netflix bio for this episode is... Emily is horrified when she sees the place where Lorelei and Rory first lived. So she sets out to create a perfect bedroom for Rory in her house. <laughs> that description
1: is like five minutes of the entire episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I think the title tells us more mm-hmm. Emily in Wonderland, which is a good way, an allusion to describe Emily's experience of Stars <laughs> Hollow. Yeah.
1: Which she she loved but then she forgot all about her love for it after that one moment yeah. but i i liked this episode i thought it was fun
0: it was it was kind of really drama
1: free in a way but it was still really engaging
0: i felt like there was drama bubbling <laughs> under yeah. the surface so many yeah. times though <laughs> yeah that's true it's uh, tension but- We'll unpack that a bit more slowly in a moment, but of course we need to attempt our talking fast segment first. You go first this week, it appears. Yeah,
1: well. to our
0: well-kept book- <laughs> bookkeeping system <laughs> and Google Docs. So, do you are you ready? I should say. Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay, three, two, one. Go! Okay, so uh, Rory invites Emily to Stars Hollow, and that's the main storyline in this episode, I suppose. Um, Emily goes to Stars Hollow to go to Kim's Antiques and haggles with Mrs. Kim. It's pretty fun. At the same time, we're also having a bit of Luke and Lorelai and Rachel love triangle drama, but nobody admits that it's a love triangle. Um, And uh, Rachel asks Lorelai to intervene with her for Luke. At the same time, Lore- Lorelei and Suki see the dragonfly in, and we're, uh, we uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Sorry. I let you go but
0: a bit. Li- a couple uh, seconds over.
1: <laughs> I felt like I got some of the main points, just not in a mm-hmm. very graceful way. <laughs> I think you did a good job. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay,
0: go so emily no wrong from the very start rory invites emily to a saturday in stars hollow light avoids that meanwhile she's with rachel going to the dragonfly talking a lot about luke and looking at these pictures uh lane is waiting for henry to call M- emily meets mrs kim the haggling was epic um she discovers Rory and Lorelai slept in a shed while they were at the inn and she's upset about this so she gets a new bedroom for Rory to compensate uh oh yeah I was like
1: my rocky start really affect shook up my performance the entire time (laughs) I know I think I did the exact same thing mixing up Emily and Rory for some weird reason I don't I don't know why do you think
0: uh, because like the winter olympics are on this is my mind like <laughs> metaphorically our our segment of talking fast is kind of like the skiing where they have to go down really fast Ooh, yeah. and then our like slow down the longer portion is i don't know what event that is just regular resort skiing <laughs> i don't yeah. know
1: something or like chiller. the the speed skating that's like multiple Mm. (laughs) laps and so they all get like lactic acid buildup or whatever and look like they're about to die (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, wow i wasn't sure where you were going with that olympic analogy because i'm definitely like we definitely are not olympians (laughs) with our talking fast segment but uh (laughs) training yeah yeah by the time we get
0: to you know season six or seven People will be shocked at how good we'll be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, should we slow down and look at this episode, which was, yeah, pretty fun, as we've said. Yeah,
0: seriously. The episode opens with a scene I nearly gave a gazebo moment purely for laugh factor, because last week I let the autoplay go and i watched the first couple minutes of this episode on accident before you know we were recording for the last episode and i saw this joke about Lorelai and the i think partially what gets it is the story's funny she was like an infant with a big head so she destroyed her baby pictures um so she's not haunted by the memory <laughs> but and that's a funny story like i'm laughing as i tell it but it's also the comedic timing of Alexis Bledel and Laura, Lauren Graham and Kelly Bishop. Like, their timing and the back and forth and the way that it builds is just so... <laughs> it was so well done. And I laughed, like, the second time I watched it again this week, too. <laughs> oh,
1: So good. Yeah, I I loved it. I didn't have that great of an analysis of it. I just loved it. Yeah, like the... <laughs>
0: I came downstairs. She was burning her photos. Like, it's like she actually burned them and they no longer exist. (laughs) She was a
1: beautiful baby. Except I have a brand new nephew who I haven't met, so I can't really speak to his cuteness beyond pictures. Mm -hmm. But every picture I see of him, he's like swaddled really tightly. So he does look Mm -hmm. like he's like one two-thirds head and one-third body mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's pretty cute I
0: think. yeah I have a new niece I haven't met yet either mm-hmm. who is very cute from the photos but I have to confirm in real life still <laughs> <laughs> but I myself was a big-headed baby oh, the doctor really? actually asked my mom if it ran in the family <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> but, and I love that line where they're like yeah you grew into it eventually it only affected her balance <laughs>
1: oh, I didn't really, I didn't know that there, I mean, I should have known that there would actually be babies with larger than normal heads, but also mm-hmm. what is normal for a baby? I don't really understand. Exactly.
0: They're all essentially <laughs> aliens for the first few months. That's true. <laughs>
1: and they've just developed with inside another human being, just like aliens do. Mhm. So on that note, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to any expectant mothers out there. <laughs>
0: seriously the the main point of this scene is to set up the storyline for the episode which is emily agreeing to a day in stars hollow which is a very sweet offer on Rory's part Mm -hmm. reminded me a lot of her agreeing to go golfing with richard she was the one to invite emily for to spend the day together and emily was instantly like so happy to accept and i was very touched by that yeah (laughs) it was
1: very cute lorelei of course does not want to take part in this so she comes up with excuses she has to work and all that for for all of the different storylines that we've had in these episodes i feel like this one is just the this entire episode is like a star's hollow moment (laughs) because it is Mm -hmm. just like a star's hollow appreciation episode and it's heartwarming in most of the episode i'd say uh after friday night dinner the next day we're at Uh, Luke's, so this is right before Emily's going to be showing up to walk around with Rory. (laughs) And we get another great comedic episode of Lorelai freaking out about having the eggs on top of her pancakes, goggling at her, googling at her, Mm. ogling Mm -hmm. at her. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Which (laughs) I've never thought of it that way, but I also don't think I would want the eggs on top of my pancakes. That seems weird. It's a strange move by Luke. Yeah,
0: I don't know why it'd be such a big deal. Maybe it's to get Luke to walk away so that Rachel can stop by. I'm not really sure, but this scene, speaking of Rachel, contained my, I almost forgot what it's called, our Lorelai's Closet (coughs) nomination for the outfit she's wearing here. It's this purple sweater and it's a very like casual kind of purple sweater and then her jeans are like what I think I would describe as like the boyfriend jean that you (laughs) see people well basically what I thought was fun about this outfit is that this outfit is what anyone on like TikTok would be wearing (laughs) you know it's like that the sweater that's almost like a little crop so it's like you have some belly showing and then Girls are being cool and not wearing bras as often, so they often don't wear a bra with the look either. And I saw, actually, Rachel on The Bachelor yesterday was wearing a sweater like this. But Mm -hmm. anyways, and then the jeans are, like, uh, they're so beyond skinny jeans right now, too, you know? So her jeans are a bit roomier. um, And then later on, she pairs this with a leather jacket Mm -hmm. as well. So ultimately, what I thought was neat is how cyclical fashion is and how this... Even though it's retro, it's very in right now, I would say, Rachel's outfit, and it only makes her even cooler. Like, she's just so, you know, she's this cool, swept into town, she does photography, she looks so fresh, she's got beautiful curly hair that, like, actually looks like
1: real curly hair, and I'm just in awe. (laughs) I also noted her outfits throughout the episode. She didn't get my Lorelai's closet in this scene, but... I noticed there was an interesting parallel going on between Lorelai and Rachel's clothing in a lot of the scenes. Mm -hmm. Like, they'd be wearing the same color, or when they both Mm -hmm. went to the Dragonfly, they both had leather jackets on. Yeah. Just, like, slightly different styles. Like, Lorelai's was a bit more like a leather blazer type of jacket, so it was a little bit more Mm -hmm. formal, and Rachel's was a bit more... Yeah, because she'd been working. Yeah. Rachel's was a Mm -hmm. bit more, you know, loose, I guess. (laughs) And I think it kind of uh, mirrors their situations with Luke where Lorelai Mm -hmm. is a bit more. I hesitate to say that Lorelai is more formal because I don't think in any other circumstance we would say that. But she's more maybe reliable, (laughs) um, which you Mm -hmm. could associate with that. And then Rachel's got the more kind of free-flowing outfits and character. So I thought that was interesting to note on mm-hmm. the episode
0: yeah that's a good eye for the parallels between their fashion and then their actual situation and it's got me thinking with like the friendship forming between the two of them this could have been so interesting if they pursued the path of an actual love triangle mm-hmm. which we almost never see <laughs> but like Luke's into Lorelai Lorelai's into Rachel oh, or Rachel's yeah. into Lorelai something fun like that <laughs> Or thruple. Yeah. Like oh all gosh. three of these people could get along, I think, actually in a relationship and I don't blame them for not doing that. It's a bit ahead of the time <laughs> of the show. But it could be a fun way of reading some
1: of their interactions as like a what if? <laughs> yeah. That would be that would be awesome. I could totally see Lorelei if this show was beginning in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I could have seen Lorelai as, like, a bi icon. Mm -hmm. She's kind of got that feel towards her. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In another day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, We also get a bit of a hint towards Luke being kind of uncomfortable (laughs) with their friendship here. That's to put it lightly. (laughs) Yeah, he's very awkward and... Lorelai even kind of calls him out on it. Like, she, in this scene, she's mostly doing it as a bit, kind of asking him, I don't know, to clarify the weird things he's saying. Like, that they're both great in different ways, and that their greatness is melding, or something like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was a very awkward, strange, but funny scene Mm -hmm. where Luke is... Uh, confronted with his two love interests becoming friends. <laughs> um,
0: the, and something else that surprised me in this scene, it had a lot packed into it, is that as Rachel is going through all of these different photos she took at the festival and shortly after, she brings out a picture of the old dragonfly in. And I was like, oh, yeah, so cool. <laughs> that we meet it yeah and so they they Rachel gets Lorelai to agree
1: to go with her to see it later in that day yeah I'm so excited for that storyline to start developing because I love mm-hmm. the dragonfly I like the independence Inn, but I don't know it seems more like a country club type place yeah with all its tennis courts and everything but the dragonfly mm-hmm. seems awesome I'd, I'd love to stay there <laughs> Yeah. And the dragonfly
0: represents so much of like Lorelei and Suki together mm-hmm. and like their ultimate progression in their careers as well. Like it's something totally of their own and that they've accomplished. And it does have the vibe, like you're saying. is more aligned, I think, with the like the epitome of the Stars Hollow mm-hmm. aesthetic. Cozier
1: too. Yeah. They don't ever have big groups of like business people like we saw in this episode with a very funny. <laughs> ineffective translator I that's not how translating works but we'll get to that. Mm. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> well, we the independence in is the next scene and we have the return of a character I would hope to never see. <laughs> and I don't totally know like why do you think they decided to include Rune in this episode how does that storyline even relate to any of
1: the others I thought it was random I I think it was just a way to like first initially bring up the fact that Lorelai and Rory lived in that like I don't know shed or whatever oh, yeah. in, on the grounds because mm-hmm. I don't think that's been mentioned before at least no, not it like so explicitly so maybe it would have, it was really just to, like, give foundation to Rory taking Emily there, which otherwise probably would have been really random. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> he's also funny, and I loved his interactions with Michelle. <laughs> yeah.
0: But apparently he's been sane with Jackson this entire time. Oh it's been a long time since we met him in that double date episode. And apparently he was evicted and doesn't have a job and no money to pay for rent, so Jackson and Sookie are asking the favor of Lorelai to get him a job at the inn and to let him have room and board as well, which is a pretty big <laughs> yeah. ask.
1: All for Jackson's delicious-looking jam in exchange. I mm-hmm. liked how um, Sookie and Jackson both attempt to Bribe Lorelai in certain ways to get her to do this. Sookie is like thrusting food at her as soon as Lorelai walks in the door. Jackson comes in with all sorts of goods and jam. I guess they get what they wanted out of it. Lorelai does agree to take in Rune. I also, before I forget, this was my Lorelai's closet moment was Sookie, and only it's we've mentioned this before, but it was for her crocheted like, hair bandana. This one was, like, a light blue crocheted bandana, but then she also had, like, a really deep blue chef's coat on, and it looked really good on her, and it brought out her eyes and everything, and I just loved her whole outfit in this scene, especially <laughs> juxtaposed to Jackson's, like, farm, farm where hipster farm where They both looked very different, but still... The same. Yeah, yeah. So after our little scene at the inn, which is really, yeah, just to establish Rune and the shed where uh Loreline's uh Rory lived, Emily arrives in Star's Hollow. She is worn heels and immediately sinks into the grass outside of Lorelai and Rory's house, which I thought was funny. Strangely though, she wasn't wearing like stilettos or anything they were pretty chunky heels so it must have been kind of swampy in the grass <laughs> I was a bit surprised that's a good point well at first I thought you were
0: saying you're surprised she wasn't wearing stilettos but you're you're saying you're surprised that her heels sunk even though her heels were bigger because I was yeah. like you know I don't see Emily as a stilettos girl no, she's more, <laughs> more of a eye yeah. shoe
1: yeah Emily's like a pumps with a I don't know I don't know the different shoe terminology i shouldn't have even started (laughs) right
0: (laughs) but rory invites her in offers to clean her shoes (laughs) to get her some tea and emily goes into their kitchen and says a line that was my rory's bookshelf moment Mm -hmm. so she opens the fridge to look for the iced tea and we see as she opens the door that there's like nothing inside the <laughs> fridge at all. <laughs> and Emily says it's like the Grapes of Wrath, uh, which is a reference to the, I think, 1939 novel, The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. And that novel features themes about like the Great Depression and tenant farmers, a lot of things like drought, economic hardship I'm I'm reading from the Wikipedia page (laughs) currently just to make sure I get it all but (laughs) anyways this and this is a novel that also won awards and things so um it's just it's so funny to me that Emily equates their empty fridge which is of all things like uh I mean I think we can agree fairly trivial when it compares to the Great Depression right of hardship so I just thought it but I also at the same time think like it is horrible when you have an empty fridge. And it is funny that they eat out so much that they don't even have anything in their fridge. So I liked that reference.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you picked that because I've never read The Grapes of Wrath. So I didn't feel like I could comment on it, but I liked the reference. <laughs> I've read like I hundred pages of
0: it. I haven't actually read the whole thing, but... I knew enough by the title alone that I was like, I can take this one, and I should read it. It's on my list.
1: <laughs> um, other things by him, my freshman English teacher in high school, we read, like, three books by Steinbeck, which is strange, oh, like, of wow. you know, a survey class. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Mostly the teacher just, like, sat in front of the class and read the book out loud. Um, oh it wasn't the best pedagogical move. <laughs> I'm just
0: going to start reading to my students if I need a lesson plan idea. Yeah.
1: If I was better at reading aloud, I might have done that every once in a while, but... That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Something else I wanted to point out in this scene. I thought there was an interesting parallel here. I don't know if the show was making it, but I identified it at least. So... We didn't mention it, but at the very start of the episode, the whole reason Rory invites Emily to go to Mrs. Kim's, um, I mean, Kim's antiques is because she was talking about how she was collecting chairs and she only got 10 out of 12. And it's this whole discussion about her antiquing habits, basically. And then in this scene where she's visiting Rory and Lorelai's house, Rory's telling her all about these Charlie's Angels uh plates that they've collected and how certain of the plates with certain actresses are easier to find and others are more difficult, but they have a complete set. And Emily's like aghast in the classic, like she doesn't understand their taste level much the same way that Lorelai doesn't understand hers. And I just thought like Emily clearly thinks it's silly and trivial for them to have plates with Charlie's angels on them. Yet All three of them are valuing this, like, collecting sort of habit. And for Emily, it's very much, like, conspicuous consumption, you know, displaying her wealth through the purchase of items that people, like, see when they walk in her mansion, but... It's ultimately, like, so similar that, like, the what Rory and Lorelai are doing by hunting down these plates. And I was just like, the apple does not fall that far from the tree. It's very different, but very similar at the same time. Yeah,
1: I hadn't thought of that. And I, that really, like, reminds me of last week's episode with the third Lorelai. Was that last week? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what we were saying about, like, the way Emily was reacting to the to tricks was Very similar to the way that Lorelai reacts to Emily sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they have so much in common if they would just, like, see it. But, of course, that's the whole crux of the show. They don't see it. Right. (laughs) I did also like that as part of seeing Stars Hollow, Emily has to, like, give up kind of a a sign of her lifestyle, which is driving everywhere. And Mm -hmm. she does that in getting some of Lorelai's tennis shoes um which she ends up looking pretty funny in but it (laughs) allows her to walk around Stars Hollow without her heels sinking into more swampy grass grasslands I suppose Mm -hmm. I like that kind of symbolism
0: yeah she has to like leave a part of her self behind and put on a part of Lorelai, mm-hmm. like her shoes, she's literally walking a mile in her shoes. <laughs> and quite like the entering Wonderland of it all. Like in Wonderland, doesn't she eat something or drink something to get small mm-hmm. or big, right? And so the shoes are almost that like magical item that will help her immerse herself on this journey through town. Yeah, so that's
1: true. <laughs> we got some
0: symbolism, baby. Woo! <laughs> Just like laying parsing through subtext later on this was an episode for english majors. (laughs) it really was i
1: wrote down that lane is basically an english major (laughs) yeah well we'll get there (laughs) so rory and emily walk around town um and they go to kim's antiques of course that's the whole destination (laughs) emily's first reaction is that it's terribly unorganized which is kind of true like everything's stacked up it Reminds me of the Room of Requirement in Harry Potter. It's just like a stacks point. of things and you have to go searching through and find things. But Emily does, cat, something does catch her eye. And so she decides that Kim's Antiques is a great place. <laughs> um, but while she's looking around, Lane comes up and wants to talk to Rory about Henry, who was the guy that Lane was dancing with at... The party, um, the infamous party, um, but he hasn't called yet, and I guess it's been a full week since that party, so she's starting to worry about um whether he actually liked her or and all that stuff,
0: yeah, I think I think basically she says she's waiting for him to call and worry essentially is like he'll call. I think that's how it wraps up because he does call later, so then we get the follow up. Um, Or perhaps at that moment, they're both just taken away from their conversation by witnessing the epic haggling going on between (laughs) (laughs) um, Mrs. Kim and Emily,
1: which was, like, electric. That was (laughs) my Star's Hollow moment, (laughs) was the haggling (laughs) between them, because they both finally found a worthy opponent. (laughs) Seriously. They, like, go at it um, back and forth. I don't understand, like, I can never... I just, like, don't speak and think fast enough to be in a situation like that and not be taken advantage of. (laughs) It was so fast. Yeah, and they came up with, I guess, a good deal. I'm still kind of unsure about what they agreed on, but (laughs) Emily was happy about it. So, that was something that I just thought was, it was kind of quintessential Mrs. Kim and Mm -hmm. Emily all in Stars Hollow. Mm -hmm. a A nice moment. Yeah
0: and I think what I liked about it too like because the minute she walked in I'm like oh two greats are about to meet Mm -hmm. you know like two very formidable women and I loved that they both were so equally balanced in the haggling as well. I was almost afraid they'd show like Emily got the best you know of Mrs. Kim and she really got her down to like a thousand dollars but it was very equal like they both held their weight in that. Haggling. Yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about haggling so much in my life. I agree. I would get totally taken advantage of in any kind of place where like the whole, uh, yeah. If I just like set prices
1: mm-hmm. and I decide if I want it or not. Yeah. It makes <laughs> mm-hmm. me like very easy prey for a car salesmen because I go in, I know the car that I want because I've looked at it online. Mm-hmm. They give me a price. I say, okay, that's what it said online fine that's it (laughs) and i really i i mean this happened to me when i bought my car last summer so i probably could have gotten it down a thousand dollars but oh well Mm. it's too late now Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we also have a listener comment for this scene so a listener wrote in and wanted us to point out and give a lorelei's closet moment to emily's necklace i guess in this whole episode when she's in stars hollow and I'm glad the listener brought this up because I completely slipped like I didn't notice her necklace at all, but it's a really cool one. It's like a long silver chain. and then on the end of a chain is a a gold fish, not a goldfish, but a golden fish. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool because it's small, so it's it's not like a big ostentatious piece of jewelry but the tail is on a joint so when Emily's walking it looks like the fish is kind of swaying like it would in water and it's it's a really cool mm-hmm. necklace. Um so thank you to our listener for pointing that out.
0: Yes, when I read that I asked you I said is she wearing a necklace at all? <laughs> so clearly um it's so ne- it's good to have people helping us mm-hmm. have an eye out for the many fantastic details of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so that was good. And like Emily, as a whole right now, between the necklace, the haggling, she's like walking out. She says she likes that woman. she says she likes the street, she likes her shoes. She's in like in a a good mood. She's very just alive. And I start to get that feeling of foreboding again after since, you know, I dutifully write down the Netflix bio each time. <laughs> and I knew something bad was gonna happen by the end. It reminded me a lot of watching. Rory and Paris last episode you just see them building up their friendship the whole time only for it to fall down and I was like I just loved that as Rory says later her goal was to make Emily feel included in their life which is such like a heartfelt goal like what a smart 16 year old she is like wow so much emotional maturity that I do not know if I had that at 16 but And it's like, seems to be working, you know? She's feeling incorporated in Stars Hollow in a way she's never done. Like, she seems to be appreciating it so much more than when she was there for the birthday party, where she felt more like a stranger or an outlier. (laughs) Anyways, I'm getting off on a long diatribe of just like, my un. I was so like pleased, but also uneasy at this moment in the episode.
1: Yeah, it was so. It's just so like pure in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> like the mm-hmm. the excitement that emily had even just being invited to stars hollow and like yeah. all she's been wanting this entire time was bonding with lorelei and rory and if she mm-hmm. can just get it with rory that's good enough for her at this point and they're having mm-hmm. such a good time then it that's ends. a good point
0: point. <laughs> and we had just finished the last episode where she admits, you know, that she once she's like holding on so tightly to that obligation of the Friday night dinner just so that she can see them. So for her to then be invited openly and freely by Rory must have felt so fantastic for her. Like this is beyond the obligation.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, as we've said, things go badly. But first, let's catch up with Lorelai and Rachel Um, before we get to the big drama we can leave that till a bit later
0: (laughs) build the suspense (laughs) ourselves we can do it too are you feeling uneasy right now
1: listeners (laughs) we are pros okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Rachel and Lorelai have gone to see the dragonfly which is kind of a decrepit property but I loved it um Mm -hmm. specifically the wisteria I think that's those like purple flowers that were hanging off it. I thought they were lilacs. I thought lilacs were bushes. I'm going to look oh. this up cuz I I mostly think thinking of wisteria because of um wisteria lane, isn't that a thing? Yeah, but I I've just been rewatching Bridgerton and one of the houses is oh. like covered in wisteria. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. It's it's wisteria if it's like it's okay. kind of like on a vine. It's a tree mm-hmm. and then the purple like our it's like a weeping willow just with purple flowers
0: (laughs) okay this was actually my star's hollow moment was when we first get to see the dragonfly in person for the first time and i'm glad that you clarified what flower that was because (laughs) i was going to say lilacs (laughs) um but, it, yeah, it's like, as you said, it's very decrepit. There's like even whole entire trees mm-hmm. that are dead laying on the roof of the porch. but despite all of that danger and uh you know run downness of it all, it still managed to be manages to be so charming. Mm-hmm. The wisteria is like such a pop of color the like just the general architecture I'm not I don't know how to describe architecture but it's like like just lovely and it make it made me think of all the things we said at the start of the episode like once we're in there everything that it means to the characters to the vibe that it brings to the town so many fun things happen there and it just made me very nostalgic and happy that actually I don't need to be nostalgic
1: because it will be coming <laughs> up soon <Yeah. laughs> so it'll be fun we also get a bit of a hint in this scene about what Rachel is thinking. She strangely Mm -hmm. kind of surprises Lorelai by saying that she thinks she's ready to settle down with Luke and she really wants to put down roots, um, Mm -hmm. kind of start living her her life uh, in Stars Hollow with Luke, um, which Lorelai is kind of taken aback by. Um, but Rachel does seem more or less sincere here. I mean, we don't know her very well, mm-hmm. but she does seem serious about it. She sounds like she's, you know, a contestant on The Bachelor saying that she really wants to settle <laughs> down with this guy. So.
0: She's 4TRR <laughs> exactly. for the right reasons.
1: Yes. <laughs> Rory actually says that later in a line. Oh. So, okay, we'll get to it then.
0: <laughs> but speaking of... This might be getting us a little off track, but I did have this, like, question as I was watching if Rachel was a bit in her pursuit of spending time with Lorelai. I almost wondered if it was a bit, like, for TWR mm-hmm. for the wrong reasons. Like, I almost wondered, and I don't say this as a way to, like, attack Rachel's character. More so, I'm wondering if she is a bit, like, um, aware of the relationship between... Luke and Lorelai in terms of either even if she if she suspects it's romantic or if she just I mean she she knows that they're close like she starts by showing Lorelai the picture that she took of Luke and Lorelai and then she begins to like befriend her disclose all of this personal information to her then eventually like builds to asking Lorelai to say a word on her behalf to Luke and it ultimately works in the end so I almost wondered if Rachel had this plan all along to get close to Lorelai to get her to cement her relationship mm-hmm. for her. Um, and again, I don't necessarily think that's a a bad thing, but I wondered if it was more accidental or planned than it, like, I don't know. It could be somewhere in between. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's true. I also kind of felt like it was another instance of her kind of laying a claim on Luke in a way, mm-hmm. like making it clear to Lorelai that Lorelai's potential with Luke was no longer. Um, and I kind mm-hmm. of got the feeling that that's what Lorelai was also <laughs> not quite allowing herself to th- to feel in this scene, because she kind of looked taken aback um, by Rachel's whole revelation that she wants to settle down with Luke, so... Um, So I had I was getting a bit
0: ahead of myself and they have another portion of the conversation I was referencing is when they are at Luke's and this is the first time we're actually in the set that is his apartment. This is also when Rachel is asking uh, she well she's like updating Lorelai saying that Luke she tried to talk to Luke about wanting to settle down in Stars Hollow and that he didn't believe her. And this is where her request comes in to Lorelai, like, if it happens to come up at any point, which is, of course, like, of course it will come (laughs) up now that you've mentioned it, um, could you say a good word for me, like, convince him that I want to stay in Star's Hollow? And that is, like, yeah, I think serving the double purpose, like you said, of, like, kind of twisting her arm in a way to you know get their relationship cemented but then also hope like helping her get a friend like by asking this favor of Lorelai it's showing that she's like it's like an intimate favor to ask of someone and I yeah I feel like there's a lot of ways to read what's going on between Rachel and Lorelai and then later on Lorelai and Luke
1: too. I actually nominated Rachel's request for my Friday night dinner critique Mm. because Mm -hmm. I think it's rarely a good idea, especially as a new friend, to ask somebody to intervene on your behalf with somebody that they're close to. Um, especially when it comes to romantic situations. It's putting yeah. Lorelai in a really unfair place because now she has to decide, hey, she has to think about her o- own feelings in this. Is she going to be... Um. She's almost given the opportunity to sabotage Luke and Rachel's relationship, which she doesn't do, but she has to mm-hmm. decide between going for her own feelings or... Going for Rachel's feelings and potentially making a new friend with Rachel, but then at the same time, potentially ruining her relationship with Luke because she's stepping in where she doesn't like it's none of her business. And also, she doesn't know Rachel, so whatever Rachel is asking her to do towards Luke could end up being really bad for Luke. Like, it could be a really bad thing um, that Lorelei. Or that Rachel even wants to stay. What if Luke doesn't want her to, um, and he just hasn't said it? And so now Lorelai's just in the middle of it. I don't know. It just seems like a bad. It's just always a bad idea to get in between two people in a romantic situation, mm-hmm. and it's made even worse by the fact that Lorelai and Luke are kind of into each other. Yeah. So it does seem kind of, and it. it I don't. I like Rachel's character, but I read this as kind of, again, staking her claim on Luke and also Mm -hmm. kind of as a malicious, in a way, thing um, where she's really trying to make it clear to Lorelai, like, at this point, if Luke doesn't believe me, it's your fault, (laughs) rather than it's still Rachel's fault.
0: Yeah, and she was also telling Lorelai like I might not be in town any for a while Mm -hmm. longer because Luke won't believe me and so it's putting um I what I imagine is almost like an ultimatum I could see it going there Mm -hmm. if Lorelai hadn't intervened because it's like well one way to convince Luke you're planning to settle down is to do that (laughs) you know to take like You could buy, you know, rent your own place in Stars Hollow and put down roots and say, like, I'm still here. Like, let's do this. But instead, like, if he doesn't believe her, after she's only been there a short amount of time, like, she's just gonna up and leave. That's no way to communicate. (laughs) And so, I think you're right. Like, any progress we see them make in their relationship in this episode seems to be largely based on what Lorelai does later on, but actually had something my friday night dinner critique was it's kind of random but it is related to something in this scene i was thinking about this line that rachel mentions where she says living here in stars hollow feels like living under a microscope and people are waiting for you to mess up and lorelei's like that's not true and uh rachel jokes miss patty and then lorelei jokes like yeah okay so she's always watching waiting for you to mess up but I think we talk a lot about the uh, kind of like the fantasy or the coziness of Stars Hollow. And we've critiqued, we've definitely critiqued it from a couple different angles in terms of like race and representation. Uh, but I think it's interesting to note like the what comes with the small town is also the everyone being in your business. And I think we found that to be charming sometimes. Like, it, isn't it? you know, quaint and a bit uncanny that Miss Patty knew that Rory and Dean broke up immediately, right? But then it also does have that negative and I think darker side. And I think it would almost like reading it that way would grant a bit potentially like of a sympathetic reading for Rachel as this kind of like alienated outsider, truly kind of like alone and separated from everyone else in town. And we don't really see how they treat her, but I feel like we could, like, guess, and I base that on thinking about, like, Dean's comment, and I'm, you know, I'm not one to be a pro-Dean person, <laughs> usually, but I do still think about that conversation he had between Lorelai and him, uh, where, he, like, Lorelai s- said, I can't remember exactly, but Lorelai basically threatened, like, if you mess up, if you hurt Roy, like, the entire town is going to be against you and turn against you, and, like, so the fact that that closeness can turn on people um and be like almost like the sur- like just the state of surveillance in a way of like always feeling watched always feeling like things can be known instantly is a little creepy and and scary and makes me think about later when Luke and Lorelai break up and they have all like the teams you know of team Luke team Lorelai people taking sides in the breakup it's like even the the insiders in town their actions are not outside the purview of being, like, commented on and having sides taken on. And it's, um, like, I feel like that's very unpleasant to live through. So I just thought that was an interesting, such a small moment, but that's what I was thinking about. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's true, especially since what we do know of Rachel is that she's kind of done this before in a way. Apparently, she'd been around for long enough for them to mm-hmm. have a real relationship, but then she has skipped town before or just, like, left without right. notice. And if everybody in town knows that, then, of course, it, yeah, definitely makes sense that they'd, they'd be, like, more skeptical of her and mm-hmm. potentially judge her harshly for it, so. Right. That's very And she's, true. like,
0: when she asks Lorelai to be her friend... like you almost wonder like does she actually genuinely like what desire a connection that isn't just Luke you know like she's immediately moved in with Luke immediately restarted their romantic connection but it doesn't seem like she has any other kind of connections or support systems so Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting but I'm also totally on the side (laughs) of she's being very manipulative throughout as well in a way that's kind of genius too if she's just trying to get what she wants so like I'm continuing to think about her and her motives throughout this.
1: <laughs> I definitely see almost everything she does as avoidant of something. She's mm. always like... Her communication yeah, style, for sure. <laughs> she is trying to like set things up so that if something goes wrong, it's not her fault. It's either no. Lorelai's or Luke's or the town's. Yeah. And it, it gives her like a good excuse to just up and leave... We'll see what happens there, but her asking Lorelei to intervene, I think, was a questionable thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so a a few scenes later, but to continue along with this storyline, Lorelai goes to talk to Luke and they have a very convoluted conversation about all of this all of this stuff and it's like why couldn't they just I've said this before, but why can't they just openly communicate? Yeah. It's so frustrating to observe, like, Lorelai saying, she's like, here it is, right in front of you, referring to the relationship between Rachel and Luke, but also, like, the subtext is like, here I am, right in front of you, and she says, unless there's some other reason you don't want to, like, stay and commit with Rachel, and he's like, like what? And
1: they're they're like, there's nothing else, Well, like, clearly there is. It was just a full scene of like almosts <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of like when they were planning on painting the diner and they had all those scenes yeah. of like almost kissing mm-hmm. and this is both of them like just just about admitting that they like each other but not wanting to go there and it was it's was such an uncomfortable scene
0: yeah And he says at one point, you're pushing Rachel on me. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you know what I want to happen? And that's, like, Luke talking. And I think that's when it's, like, yeah, Lorelai has been... I think she's putting herself in a weird position because she doesn't want to admit or pursue this relationship necessarily either because she's probably scared, also has feelings for Max. But she's also been put in that position by both, like, Rachel and Luke to a certain extent. And it's so weird that she ends up feeling like the person who got them together when she's at the end, like watching them together. And you can tell she's like, I encouraged that. (laughs) Like I made that happen. And now I feel like she's angsty and pining by the end of the episode too, you know? So it's like, how did this, how did these like roles reverse in this like way? She got so caught up in this and like pushing him to be with Rachel Like, almost maybe trying to push herself to feel like that's the right thing. Like, I don't know. It was so weird. So avoidant as well, in a
1: way. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like she was hoping that in... I don't know. It felt like something that would happen, like, in high school or something, where you Mm -hmm. would talk to your crush about somebody else in the hopes that they would then cave and admit that, oh, no, I'm actually into you. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. Or, like, you're, like, you're just so, like, um, like, you just want to be close to them. So, you're, like, well, if they trust me to talk to me about it, at least, you know, I get that. (laughs) It's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. There's definitely something not mature about this
1: conversation. (laughs) Yeah, we also, Luke says that Rachel has said these exact same things before, which makes her earlier comments about, like, being because Luke doesn't trust her, so she's about to leave. Like, it just makes that so much more clear because she's clearly said this stuff before and she's clearly blamed it on Luke before for him not believing her mm-hmm. um, and then left and it's happening all over again. Lorelei Lorelai, who doesn't have experience with Rachel, is just kind of falling for it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not
0: not good. I know it sounded so similar to the conversation between Lorelai and Rory after Christopher left Mm -hmm. and Lorelai was saying trust me I know him and Rory was a bit skeptical and falling for it and here Luke is saying very similar like you don't know her I do you like don't understand the situation she's done this before Uh, very parallel situations there too.
1: That just made me realize how similar Rachel and Christopher are. <laughs> Down to the oh, leather jackets. Oh my god. They even they have like <laughs> the same attitudes and characteristics.
0: Except Rachel's like actually good at her yeah. job, it seems <laughs> <That's true. laughs> But there are incredible parallels there. Yeah. Like the ex in both of their lives that keeps coming back and like disrupting their relationship progress Mm -hmm. as well oh that's good maybe
1: we should just get rachel and crystal or christopher together i know (laughs) see what would happen
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're feeling lots of we're feeling a lot of different pairing possibilities (laughs) from this episode i feel like the writers have a lot of different ways they could go some
1: fanfic (laughs) is uh, Mm -hmm. in the works (laughs) (laughs) so the last thing that we really get With the Rachel storyline is a little bit later at the Black, White, and Red movie theater um, when we see Rory and Lorelai are there for a movie and Rachel and Luke show up and they're like cuddling and it just seems like all is good for them. That was such a random scene.
0: I felt like, did they need to make the episode longer mm. or something? So they just threw in a movie scene where it's funny because Kirk yells <laughs> at them for being loud. Then his phone ringer goes off. His ringtone goes off. Lorelai just looks a bit wistfully at Luke and Rachel. And Rory and Lorelai, like talk about, um, did she do the right thing,
1: basically? It's like, we don't need this scene. Yeah. but I think this is... That's the point, though, where Rory um, confirms to Lorelai that she did this for the right reasons, (laughs) which is... Oh, right. She does. She does in this moment.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because Lorelai is like, am I guilty if they end up breaking up or something goes wrong? Like, because I encouraged it. I mean, Rory says she did it for the right reasons. It's true.
1: (laughs) We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Are you tired
0: of competing with Peg Mosley at the rest of the antique stores on the East Coast? Can't find a decent Bidermere hutch in all of Connecticut? Did you look for a set of 12 rare chairs for three years, only to come away with just 10? If you're desperate for new sources, then it's time for you
1: to visit Kim's Antiques in Stars Hollow. Kim's Antiques is run by Mr. and Mrs. Kim though you'll only ever find Mrs. Kim in the store, (laughs) they run a quality business. Some may say it's dusty and disorganized, but they often recant this poor opinion when they dig in and find a gorgeous antique piece with exquisite woodwork. Customers can rest assured knowing that Kim's antiques are never overpriced, include signatures, and letters of authentication. If you're the kind of antiquer that likes to haggle, be forewarned, Mrs. Kim is a formidable opponent and will not easily be swayed on the original price.
0: For listeners of Talking
1: Fast, Mrs. Kim will throw in free delivery of
0: your choice and priceless antique, but only if you impress her with your haggling skills. So head on into Kim's Antiques, find that special piece, and engage in some verbal sparring with a formidable opponent. Find a strategic spot to throw in a mention of your favorite podcast, Talking Fast, and get free delivery.
1: should we get back with Rory and Emily kind of yeah taking our listeners Rewind. on a circuitous path just like this episode did <laughs> <laughs> yep so that was the sound of us <laughs> playing it back I actually have uh my Rory's bookshelf moment came right when we get back to the inn And Rory's bringing Emily to see the end. We get a little bit of Rune versus Michelle. And Mm -hmm. at one point, Rune tells Michelle to build us another statue, um, implying the Statue of Liberty, because Rune thinks Michelle is uh, from Paris, where... Uh, Michelle actually confirms this speaking in French to Emily in a couple minutes, which is weird because otherwise we think Michelle is from Quebec, but my bookshelf was for the Statue of Liberty only because Mm. I've been watching this new show called The Gilded Age, um, which for fans of period dramas or like Downton Abbey, should definitely check it out. It's on HBO, but in last night's episode... The characters went to one of the parks in New York City where they had the hand of the Statue of Liberty. Um, France, I guess, had sent over the hand holding the torch just for viewing purposes, and then they were going to take it back and put it on the statue before sending the statue over. So that was like an interesting kind of connection between these shows that I've been watching. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I thought it was fun. I need to watch The
0: Gilded Age. pretty
1: good so far.
0: It's totally – that's kind of, like, the oh, era that I study. It's all about consumption. It's so Edith and Wharton. And, yeah. yeah. In class. Yeah. So I look forward to it. <laughs> and this – I loved – like, I thought there were two instances of meetings of the greats in this episode. Mrs. Kim and Emily and then Michelle and Emily. I was, like, so pleased to see them interact and speak mm-hmm. French, like you mentioned. <laughs> And Michelle is very charmed by her, which I think is hilarious because he's just going to listen to so much more of Lorelai complaining about her, you know, day in and day out. But he was
1: on team Emily and she liked him too. I think that was specifically to get on Lorelai's nerves. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but the the main thing that happens here is Rory takes Emily on a tour of the grounds, pretty much. And they go to this shed type place that's kind of been made into an apartment, um, which is where Rory and Lorelai lived when Lorelai first left the Gilmore house. So mm-hmm. I guess for probably quite a while, because I think we've gotten information about when Lorelai was able to buy the house, which I think wasn't wasn't until Rory was a bit older, at least like a child, yeah. uh, like elementary school or something.
0: And Rory she talks about it with memories like she'd have to be a certain age to remember a lot of the stuff she shares like she wasn't just an infant in a cradle
1: in there, yeah. you know. <laughs> it was kind of a nice place. I mean, it seemed kind of like a carriage house type situation, which mm-hmm. is so it was like one room, but it had a little uh clawfoot bathtub which I'm very envious of. I've always wanted one of those. Um, Mm -hmm. And it looks like if it was cleaned up into an actual house instead of a potting shed, it would have been a nice, nice little apartment.
0: Yeah, I thought it, I mean, to call it a shed almost seems like an understatement as well. Because, and especially if you imagine when they had furniture in there, I bet, you know, I bet a lot of people have, like, gardeners have put a lot of pots and things like that in there since then. Like, I bet it looked different when they were, living there and Rory specifically says she wanted to show her because she wanted to show her all the pretty things of like this is where we looked out at like the lake and the swans and everything and it's very much a case of two people seeing two very different things like Rory looks at it fondly and thinks it's pretty whereas Emily like walking in and seeing the shed was actually my gazebo moment Which is similar, I think, to some I've done very recently in the past. But I guess I'm just, like, a sucker for these, Emily, like, um, the acting by Kelly Bishop in these moments we've seen is just so, like, powerful to me. It really affects me as the viewer and... I just feel it I feel so deeply like what she's feeling the expressions that she does and I felt like this was similar to some of your moments you've said for Richard and Edward Herman like the unspeakable communication she was doing this like do you just see her walk in in the door and she's like it's dawning on her she's realizing like this is where Lorelei ran away to and Like, this is the place that she chose over staying with her family and their condition of life. And due to Emily's worldview, to think about living in a shed, like, she thinks that is so, like, how could you ever do that, you know? Because she lives in a mansion. Mm -hmm. And she is just, like, I think in this moment later on we'll see how she reacts and I don't think she deals with this in a healthy way at all but in this moment she's just like purely processing the like reaction the emotion she feels and I think it's the like how could things go so wrong that Lorelai would have run away to live in a shed with an infant with like without us and our family and like her face is so sad and she's speechless and she like puts her sunglasses on so that Rory won't see. She's, like, trying to mask her emotions, and she walks away. Rory tries to get her to stop. She thinks she's, like, sick from Teriyaki Joe's that they ate earlier, and Emily's kind of just like, I have to go, and she doesn't even say anything about Rory. She kind of just flees away, and it was just, like, so heartbreaking to see.
1: It might have been a little bit better, maybe, if Emily had known that they lived... (laughs) in a place like this when mm-hmm. Laura Eli had left but it seems like she had no idea what kind of place they lived in before the house yeah yeah that was a great great sad moment <laughs> mhm
0: yeah i like to have a good cry i did not cry <laughs> at this one i has, i still haven't cried since um i've only cried the one time during the episode we mentioned oh, yeah. the yeah. hospital episode <laughs> but i definitely teared up yeah <laughs>
1: So after this moment when Emily leaves, um, the next thing that we really get with them was in uh, back at Lorelai and Rory's house. Um, Rory and Lane are sitting around. This is actually my gazebo moment. <laughs> They're talking <Nice. laughs> about what kinds of gloomy they are in relation to what kind of music that's like what kind of gloomy mm-hmm. music they feel most like. I love this because gloomcore is something that tiktok has introduced me to and i love it it's just like it's kind of like um uh dark academia but more stark and a lot of like empty fields with uh, leafless (laughs) trees and mist (laughs) Mm -hmm. i love it but i also liked this because they mentioned one of my favorite bands which is joy division which it they are very gloomy and a very specific taste, I think. I think a lot of the ones that they mm-hmm. were naming were b- very specific tastes. But I like mm-hmm. this because they just have, like, this shared vocabulary. Yeah. And it was just a nice bonding moment of them both being gloomy for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: So many of these references went over my head, but it yeah. didn't really matter <laughs> because I still admired it. Like, that was, as you said, their shared vocabulary and it makes me think back to a while back I think in our season one like the first half recap I think we were talking about pop culture references and what function they serve in the show Mm -hmm. and one of the things we talked about was like how they are that shared um, a way of communication between like friends or family members to like It's a way of communicating, but also a sign of like the closeness that you're able to understand, speak the same language, which later on will interestingly be something that Lorelai says her and her mom cannot do, speak the same language. So here we see, you know, Lane and Rory like on another level (laughs) of being able to understand each other and their shared references and feelings. And (laughs) yeah, so your point about gloominess, it makes me think about how... I will sometimes, like, if I want to feel sadness, which sounds kind of weird, but yeah, it's like, oh, the gloominess. I would listen to, like, musicals when there's a reprise um, of a yeah. song, but it's a sadder version of an earlier song that was happy. <laughs> that will get me gloomy <laughs> so fast. And my first example for that would be in Rent, yeah, um, the song, like, bad. I'll cover you. And then the second, in the second act, it's sung at a funeral. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I could sob. <laughs> Almost like the whole second half of that movie is just sad reprises. <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gloominess. I love it. <laughs> but during this gloomy scene, uh, two phone calls are subjects of debate. The first one is um, yeah. Emily Carlson is asking all these weird questions like, what's Rory's favorite color and her favorite flower? Does she prefer um in sync to 98 degrees (laughs) it's just a whole bunch of random (laughs) questions lane describes it as some sick take on the Gallup survey
0: (laughs) (laughs) which was really funny and there's no context uh we're left in a bit of suspense of why was she asking all of those weird questions um but the other phone call we get a lot of context for which is lane's you know really as she says, parsing the subtext of the voicemail that Henry left for her because he did call like he said he would, and she listened to it eight and a half times, and she liked the message the first few times, but then (laughs) she started reading into his meaning like we are often want to do in our own work as well. But then there's also this whole component of she's nervous about going – on a date and having her parents like him and then having him become hideous <laughs> to her. It's almost like she wants to preserve
1: her image of him. I lo- I in my notes, I wrote down that Lane is an English major at heart for this mm-hmm. scene cuz she really is like close reading this message. And we we definitely got a hint, well not a hint, but an outright explanation of this when she first met Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see where this goes. I mean, I remember, but I'll pretend that I don't. <laughs> um, cause I, I don't know. Lane has such like a, like roller coaster of, uh, relationships. <laughs> she's either yeah. in like a deep crush with somebody that she doesn't know at all. And then finds out that they're terrible. Or in this one instance, she's really into them and then she's afraid that they'll become terrible so I don't know well it's it's interesting I definitely would ship Lane and Henry I think that they were good together but I agree <laughs> we'll see what happens we'll see okay I think the only thing we have left is the next Friday night dinner
0: yes we see the results of this sick Gallup survey <laughs> that Rory took when Emily had called her uh This is our second Friday night dinner. Emily opens the door with a surprise and she takes only Rory upstairs and Lorelai just chooses to follow. (laughs) Um, And we see that as the Netflix bio, you know, told us what happened, Emily has created this very, like, hilariously decorated bedroom for Rory of, like, her vision of a teenage girl's
1: room and... It's a lot to take in. (laughs) There were some of the strangest things I've ever seen in this room. First off, everything was pink. I'm pretty sure Rory said her favorite color was maybe blue. There was like a couple
0: blue pillows. Apparently, she'd been asking for an accent (laughs) color because, God forbid, a teen girl's room could be anything but pink, apparently.
1: And then there were like in-sync posters and stuff. And I have to admit, I mean, I was... If this came out in like two thousand two, I was like eleven. So I knew about All in Sync and all those bands, but they were not anything I ever listened to. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Emily's assumption, especially when we just heard about the music that Rory does listen to, Emily's assumption is just hilarious. But yeah, there's seriously. also an interesting object I wanted to point out that's standing behind Lorelei. In this scene, it's about a three-foot wooden doll figure, <laughs> and it's like it's the kind of wooden doll you know, like those um kind of human figurines that you could pull a string and like move their different legs and stuff because they're just like yeah. hollowed hollowed wood with strings inside connecting all the joints.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was one of those. But it was about three feet tall, and painted kind of like a like a kid from I don't know a '50s TV show or something with like a a baseball shirt type thing on and kind of a baseballish hat. It was just the weirdest thing to have, and to be in Rory's bedroom was so creepy. And I just I was so distracted during the scene just looking at that. It was so weird. I
0: know. I felt like I was torn between trying to observe every single detail about the room or focusing on like the actual what it implied Mm -hmm. and what they're about to fight about and things. Um, But on a small note, it also reminded it reminds me of later on when Emily uh, decorates the pool Mm -hmm. house for Rory to stay there and how that's a whole (laughs) thing
1: too. We get a bit of an explanation of why Emily has decided to do this all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, She calls out Lorelai for deciding to move or feeling so disliking living with Emily and Richard so much that she was willing to take Rory and live in that shed, um, which Emily just sees as like the worst possible option and again she's not she's not thinking at all about the problems that Lorelei has raised so far about why she left um she's just thinking mm-hmm. about kind of like the material image and the material experience of it and taking great insult in that um i think kind of blown a bit out of proportion she doesn't she's not trying at mm-hmm. all to see see Lorelei's side and also remember that Lorelai was 16 when she did this and you can't expect a 16 year old to be making the most rational decisions Mm -hmm. especially in something this big
0: yeah it's like earlier in the scene that I nominated that was her just like experiencing this pain from coming to terms like in the physical space Mm -hmm. of like this rift in her life and this like thing that hurt her so much and then in between that scene and now Rather than like processing the hurt, something went haywire and she, it transformed into like feeling offended, Mm -hmm. like you said, by all of this and lashing out at Lorelai. Instead of trying to have a conversation about it, blaming her and saying like, how could you have done that and chosen that over us and like how... Yeah, it's a very you versus us thing when it could have been a completely different conversation. Like, let's talk about the problems that led you as a sixteen-year-old to make that decision, and like how we were partially like greatly responsible. And it could have been very different. And Lorelai tries to say that when she explains that I was very young, I was very unhappy, and I needed some place to be that wasn't here, and. Emily like instead of hearing that like just says excuse me and walks away like she's getting choked up again and I think that could have been a moment too where if she had listened like you said she maybe could have like actually started to understand where Lorelai's coming from but she starts to feel things again Mm -hmm. and just chooses to leave rather than have that actual conversation this is yet another I think person choosing to avoid Mm -hmm. rather than confront here like This could have been a moment forward for them and yet it's just another moment of like stasis or backward like going back yet again to the original thing but always returning to that scene of like her leaving but not being willing to move forward or do anything about it as were later questions like will you ever be able to like change this and Lorelai feels like the
1: answer is no right now. (laughs) It's so sad thinking back about the beginning of this episode and what we were saying earlier like it was just so it seemed like Emily was accepting things and she was like enjoying being a part of their yeah. life she was feeling more confident about always being a part of their life and then this happens and she decides to throw money at it um but not actually confront anything mm-hmm. it's so disappointing <sighs>
0: seriously So as I think they often have to do, Lorelai and Rory are like digesting what just (laughs) happened, you know, like I feel like every Friday night dinner, like the drive home or the walk to Luke's after is just probably like unpacking all of like the strange things or the tense things that went down. And this was very like Rory's kind of like what happened, um. And will you ever be able to talk to her about this? Lorelai says no, that they speak a different language. And it felt, yeah, it was ending just on a very sad note on this feeling of, like, um, impossibility when at other times we've seen glimpses that maybe they'd be able to, like, have a possible
1: something. I don't know, but... (laughs) Uh. I did like the very last scene of the episode, though. Mm-hmm. Which is outside the dragonfly, there's kind of a picnic happening. <laughs> Suki is frantically running around <laughs> upset about the kitchen space, but also super excited about the kitchen space and mm-hmm. um i j ju- i I don't I just like this last scene to end this very. I don't know. It was a fun episode, but it did end. Otherwise, it would have ended very sad, I think. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, they're, like, planning for the future, you know? Um, Talking about, like, Lorelai and Rory asks like, when they'll have the inn, and Lorelai says not for a very, very long time. And we're left with, like, Lorelai's awareness of something that could potentially seem impossible, but she believes it will happen in years probably and it's like juxtaposed with her she doesn't like believe that for her and her mom it's almost like you know like the inn is a dream she knows it's far away she knows it's nearly impossible to get but she has faith that she'll get there she doesn't have that same orientation toward her relationship with her mother when like we she could potentially like that's what Roy was asking her like is that possible so it's a very interesting the theme of like um like the like the fantasy or the dream mm-hmm. the goal and like what you've like allow yourself to dream for and achieve for and what you don't and yeah you're right that we had like the sad she doesn't have that with Emily but she does have that with like Suggy in the end at least at this moment yeah in time
1: we, uh, we also got that same theme of dreams versus reality with Rachel and Luke and their mm-hmm. whole storyline. It's interesting that this episode had so many, like, through lines, I think. Um, yeah. Not that other ones don't. Maybe we just notice them specifically <laughs> more this time.
0: Yeah. No, I think this was, like, very much a, um, like, we're getting very close to the end of season one, and I think they're starting to build and build, and they're really, like, juicy
1: episodes, yeah. I think. <laughs> oh, gosh, I can't remember mm-hmm. how the season ends. We're almost there. Me either. We'll <laughs> be fine. Okay, cool. Well, I think that that's that on this episode. Um, so mm-hmm. send us your gazebo moments from the full first season um, for a special episode that we're going to record after we finish recapping the season. And you can send them to us at talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at talkingfastpodcast.com And you can either type things up or send a voice memo, um, and we'll be happy to include it. And also, don't forget to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Okay, talk to you next (laughs) next week.